Well, hey, it's Mike. And Angela. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk about the trap of being afraid and the opportunity to fear God. Welcome back to Table Talk with Mike and Angela. Welcome to Table Talk with Mike and Angela, a weekly conversation focused on helping you understand more about the Bible, faith, and what it means to live a faithful life. And now, here are your hosts, Pastors Mike Holly and Angela Martin. Well, welcome back to the podcast, and we are now at the ninth word. We're getting ever so close to the uh, the end of uh, this uh, this season of uh, Table Talk with Mike and Angela. And the ninth word is afraid. You know, a lot of people will say that they're afraid of the dark, or they're afraid of uh, you know the truth. Um, I know for me that sometimes that's something that I'm afraid of. Uh, If you're familiar with the Enneagram, I know we've talked about here at our church several times, but the Enneagram, I'm a a three on the Enneagram and I'm an achiever. I want to be, you know, well-loved and well-liked and be successful and everything. And one of the greatest fears of threes, according to the people that wrote uh, about the Enneagram, is that um, people will one day find out that they're not so great, that they are not so wonderful, uh, almost that the truth will not set you free, but it will bury you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, fear is a tricky thing because in some ways, fear is good for us because, you know, we, we learn to be afraid of the things that are dangerous. Uh, it's evolutionary, right? We stay away from those things that can end us or cause us harm. At the same time, fear can be uh, really uh, detrimental to us because we can become so afraid that we don't take any risks or that we don't even uh, follow through with what's good for us. So we'll be talking some more today about being afraid and what good fear and what bad fear are are like. And I know because this is what we've been doing for now 10 weeks in this podcast. We're going to go back to Genesis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our key verse is all about being afraid. Adam was afraid. And he said to God, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. God comes to confront them about what? he and Eve had done. And uh, they immediately have this emotion. And I'm guessing it was a strange emotion at first. Mm. Um, But as you say, fear is a powerful emotion. I remember back like 20 years ago, I heard Oprah ask this question. It's actually a quote by Jan Johnson, but Oprah was the one that I heard ask it. Uh, and the question is, what would my life be like if I weren't afraid? And when I heard that, that was such a powerful question at that time in my life. I was struggling with a, you know, a call to ministry and, and just wondering how I would go to seminary and how, how was I going to take care of my family in the midst of all that and continue to work a full-time job. And, and I was afraid to to put my toes in the water of that. And so it was a very powerful question for me at the time. But I think it's it's always 
a powerful question for us that we need to ask probably on a regular basis because I think fear keeps us from doing a lot of what we what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so with Adam and Eve. Um, fear is mentioned hard on the hills of humanity's first experience with sin. Adam and Eve had done uh, the exact opposite of what God had commanded them to do. Satan slithers away from the scene, uh, happy with himself, I'm sure. And God shows up and calls out to Adam and Eve, and there it is, fear. And uh, Adam, in essence, says, God, I am afraid of you, right? And Spoo says that Adam's trembling words form what could be considered the first prayer of the Bible. Think about that. That's really <laughs> interesting that the very first sentence, the very first you know, uh, moment here of, uh, of, of response to God is not the kind of prayer we think oh, of. Right. Usually you know, yeah. we think of prayer as being, thank you, God, you're so wonderful, mm-hmm. God, and here it is, I'm afraid of you. You know, when when you think about fear, and I know that Spoo talks about that in his book, but, you know, you think about fear, and usually when you're afraid, there are things that you you do. You know, you think about um, the natural responses to fear. One is you freeze. You know, think about a deer in headlights, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't move. You don't do anything. Uh, I remember just, you know, seeing some of the the imagery from um, the tsunami back many, many years ago uh, in uh, Indonesia. And there were people standing out on the beach watching as these waves are coming in and they're just standing there. And you kind of have this um, this thought of, you know, what do you do? How do you respond? Do you run? Do you, you know, and they froze. Um, that, that's a natural reaction to fear. You know, there's also, um, you've heard of fight or flight, right? One of the other responses we have in fear is to fight. You know, when we're afraid, sometimes we can lash out uh, and try to scare the other person in order to keep us safe. I mean, you think about uh, wounded animals, right, who respond with with yeah. hissing and barking mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, just just intimidating noises. You know, when we're pushed into a corner, we might opt to strike first. The opposite side of that, and the third option, is flight. You know, the idea that we flee. Uh, We run and we hide and we live to fight another day, maybe. Um, We can feel like our problems will just disappear if we ignore them, if we hide from them. Um... They often don't, but that's one of the things that we sometimes do. And so, you know, one of the things that might be connected to this is procrastination. You know, we're kind of afraid to face things. And so we keep putting it off until the very last moment. You know, we, we freeze, we fight, we flee. Those are some of the normal responses to fear. Yeah. Well, in that way, Adam and Eve are normal because they decided to flee. They hid in the garden. And, you know, they were young in their relationship with God, and they did not realize that they could not hide from God, right? There was nowhere that they could go, no way that they could outrun God. Uh, 
that reminds me of a, a favorite childhood book by uh, Margaret Wise Brown, The Runaway Bunny. Um, you know, in that story, the bunny tells his mother, I'm going to run away from home. I'm never coming back. And his mother says, well, if you run away, I'm going to follow you. And the little bunny says, well, if you follow me, I'm going to become a fish in a stream. And the mother says, well, if you become a fish in the stream, I'll become a fisherman and I'll catch you, you know. And on and on the story goes until the bunny finally realizes, right, he cannot outrun his mother's love and care. And so it is with us and God. We cannot outrun God. In the scripture, we have the same story. Psalm 139 tells us, you know, it asks the question, where can I go to escape your spirit? And of course, the short answer is nowhere. <laughs> we cannot go anywhere that God is not there. God is not present. Uh, and so we have these questions for us today that we need to answer uh, that you alluded to. You know, what are we afraid of? What causes us to freeze? What makes us want to fight? And then who or what are we running from? Those are very probing questions and worth consideration. Just to reiterate, it's what are we afraid of? You know, what are the natural responses? One of them was freezing, you know. What causes you to freeze? What, what thing occurs um, in your life that you just don't know how to respond to? Uh, there's the fight and the flight, you know. What makes you fight? What, what fear arises in you that you, you sort of react with that agitation? Or, you know, who or what are you running from, like you said? Adam and Eve ran away from God. And like you said, that this is sort of a, a new thing. They had never experienced this. This is brand new still. But even today, we, we sometimes try to run from God. And like that little bunny, we, we think, well, I'm just going to outrun God. I'm going to outhide God. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like when we try to do that, we're like children who don't really understand hide and seek yet. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they hide by putting hands over right. their face, you yeah. know, and they're in plain sight. But, you know, <laughs> if I can't see you, you can't see yes. me. And, right. you know, one of the things that, um, you know, goes through your mind once you realize that you can't outrun God, it's what was I thinking? You know, mm -hmm. how did I think this was even the right thing to do or a smart thing to, to do? Mm -hmm. But the answer is. Normally, we don't think. When we're afraid, we right. bypass right. thinking. <laughs> we don't go through the logical steps, uh, the presence of mind of being aware in the moment and really thinking about what we are facing. I know from my own personal experience, um, I've had uh, something that was like a panic attack where I started having a fear. And if I stopped and thought about what it was I was afraid of, I, wasn't, I shouldn't have been afraid. I was fine. But I, I was not thinking rationally. And once I was able to get my mind around it, I was able to move forward. But that fear, you know, again, it bypassed my logical, rational brain. And so, you know, what is it that that makes you afraid 
that stops you from thinking through a situation, what are the things that 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 create that sort of urge without thinking to to freeze or to fight or to flee? Well, we're hoping that you'll think through that as we uh, continue on with with this podcast because it really is a gateway to understanding how you can deal with your fears. But before we move on, we're going to take a break and let JT and Stanley tell us a little bit more about a highlighted ministry here at Bluff Park. Bluff Park United Methodist Church is currently in the midst of our annual blanket drive for the homeless. And if you would like to contribute a blanket to this drive, you can drop those off in the Narthex on Sunday morning or between 8 and 4 Monday through Friday at the church office. Or you can drop those blankets off this Saturday, November the 14th, at our annual One Night for the Homeless, where our student ministry sleeps outside to raise awareness for the homeless in our community. So you can drop those off there this Saturday at 8 o'clock. And if you have any other questions, feel free to contact the church office. Well, you know, we've been talking about Adam and Eve being afraid of God and hiding in the Garden of Eden. And in our lives today, we can experience the fear of many different things. It's not just God or what we've done. There's a lot of other things that cause us to be afraid. Oh, yeah. Um, Theologians tell us that uh, like Adam and Eve, when sin invades the human condition, we become forever estranged uh, from, they say, four things. Uh, The first of these is circumstances. We can fear the circumstances that we find ourselves in, especially those that seem to be beyond our control. I heard a a speaker at a funeral last week who said that the opposite of fear is not courage, but it is trust. Um, And learning to trust God when life seems to be out of control uh, is, is so necessary for us and our relationship with God. But of course, it's hard to do. It's hard to have that kind of faith. And so it's something that we work on our whole lives long, our whole sanctification. You know, it's a good thing we believe in that as United Methodists, right? Mm -hmm. We we keep working on it and and keep getting better at it. Uh, The second thing that we become estranged from is people, other people. We fear other people. We don't want to lose someone's approval. We don't want to earn their disapproval. And of course, that has to do with trust, too. Um, You know, we are so fortunate if we have even one friend or a spouse or someone that we can truly be ourselves with, that they can know the best of us and the worst of us and love us anyway for who we are. And um, sometimes I think the lack of trust there comes from having those experiences when you are vulnerable with someone and you let them in on, on something that maybe you feel bad about and then they, they do judge you for it. And um, so when you have those experiences, I, I definitely think you can, you can have that fear of other people. And we, we fear ourselves. You know, we struggle with self-criticism and self-doubt. We wound ourselves with negative self-talk. I know sometimes, you know, when I mess up and do something stupid, I'll just get that train of thought. 
on that little track in my brain, you know, and it will just go around and around and around about, you know, what I should have done. Um, and so it becomes a matter of having to rewire ourselves cognitively so that we, we think positively about ourselves, that when those things come up, it's like you said, we can take a moment and think about it and realize the reality and the truth of the situation and replace that negative thinking with, with the reality and truth thinking. And then that allows for us to heal in that way. And two, you know, we can fear God. Um, and if we do that, if we, if we fear God and if we lack trust in God, then that means we lack the courage to address the other three items, right? The, the fear of our circumstances, other people, and ourselves. Too many of us, I think, grow up with the notion that God is angry all the time, you know, for any number of reasons, that God would really choose to be angry with us over loving us. We get this picture of God, you know, sitting on his throne in heaven, you know, with his long white beard, and he's just watching and waiting for us to mess up. You know, we get this picture of a judge uh, rather than a God who loves us so much. And uh, we sometimes feel like uh, he would rather us be afraid of him than just love him and and seek um his adoration of us and give him our adoration too. Uh, and there are those who fear that somehow they've managed to commit the unforgivable sin. But Paul says that the only unforgivable sin is unbelief and unrepentance. Um, but we, with that negative self-talk uh, that we can uh, have in ourselves, we can talk ourselves into all kinds of things and believing that we're less than or we're not worthy of God's love or um, we're bad. We are unforgivable. It's not that the sin is unforgivable, but we ourselves are unforgivable. And there are those who grow increasingly afraid of God as they near life's end. Death is in many ways the ultimate test of our faith. And in those moments, we have to trust the goodness of God. Even when things ahead of us don't seem like good things, we trust in God because our trust in God and our relationship with God is not about what we do, but it's about what Christ has done for us. It's about what God has done in us. That should take the pressure off of us, but... <laughs> Well, so often we don't let it. It definitely should. And, and I remember a Christian author uh, many years ago uh, talked about how a lot of other religions uh, are based on this understanding that chaos uh, in the world and bad things happen to, happening to us are because God or the gods are angry at us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the teachings of... Um, this God and, and this, this son of God, Jesus, is that, you know, it's not that we have to pay off an angry God with sacrifices. It's that this God wants to help us and to bring us healing. Sacrifices were not meant to appease God, but to show us 
how much our sin costs us. But we miss that, we mix that up all the time. We go and jump to this assumption that God is angry with us and it causes us to cower in fear. Instead of thinking that, you know, God really wants the best for us. And, and, and if we open up to God, if we become that vulnerable, which again is <laughs> terrifying, um, you know, if we can do that, then our broken lives will meet God who can heal us. You know, you remember that uh, quote, um, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in a way, the strange thing about what happened in the garden after the sin uh, that Adam and Eve uh, participated in is that they really didn't have to be afraid of God. They were. They had done something wrong. They were going to have to face the consequences. But God was not coming in anger. He was not about to strike them with lightning like we sometimes are afraid (laughs) is going to happen to us when we say the wrong thing. Um, They couldn't hide from God. God was coming to find them and to be with them and be present with them. And when he realizes that they were hiding, he knew that something was terribly wrong. Uh, You know, we don't need to protect ourselves from God because what God wants to do is good for us. He wants to open us up to his grace and to his healing. Um, It it won't be easy, you know. Uh, It won't be um, this really uh, painless process. In fact, it's just like medicine and surgery and most exercise regimens. No pain, no gain. But instead of trying to hide from God in fear, it's so much better to open ourselves up to the reconstruction and transformation that he can offer to us, even though it will be difficult because on the other side of it, there is restoration and healing. There is, uh, you know, God's grace and, and, and love, and we find peace and joy on the other side of those things. But we do have to go through the painful process of dealing with the consequences and allowing ourselves to be rebuilt. Yeah. And, and, you know, being afraid of God, uh, I mean, it's not something that we can easily talk ourselves out of. And so Darren Spoo suggests that we replace it with something far better, and that is uh, the fear of the Lord. And, of course, the fear of the Lord means something radically different than being afraid of God. And Spoo says that whenever he encounters this phrase in Scripture, the fear of the Lord, he replaces it with the phrase, overwhelming wonder at the grandeur and grace of God. Mm. Uh, God's grandeur is stronger than any force that I'm going to face. God's grace is more powerful than any problem I will ever encounter. And God's goodness outpaces the evil uh, that's going to come after me, right? So I can choose to be overwhelmed by life, or I can choose to live in the fear of the Lord, overwhelmed by God's grandeur and grace. And again, Scripture offers us this same lesson in Psalm 19. Uh, We read of two primary ways in which God reveals himself to his people, and they both reveal God's grandeur and grace. 
Uh, the first is through nature. The heavens declare the glory of God, right? And here we are in uh, the fall season of the year, and all we have to do is step outside and just see God's creativity uh, and the color. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, certainly. And then the second is through God's laws and commands. God's laws are expressions of God's grace. Uh, God's commands uh, revealed in Scripture give us a fuller understanding of who God is, and they tell us who we are and how our obedience to them defines us as God's children. Uh, Spoo tells a story in the book about Henry Nowen, who's a Catholic priest. He goes and uh, visits the circus, and he becomes enthralled with this family of trapeze artists called the Flying Rodleys. And, uh, and so he takes a moment to talk with the troop leader, who is the flyer on uh, the trapeze. And uh, the flyer says... You know, everybody thinks that I'm the, the star of the show. In actuality, it's the catcher, whose name is Joe. And he says, the secret is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I have simply to stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the apron behind the catch bar. And again, so it is with with us and God. God reveals to us uh, the best way to live through God's laws and commands. And uh, we can't be afraid to reach out in obedience to him and, and let God catch us, trust God to catch us. And uh, in doing that, uh, in not being afraid and not being weak because of that fear, uh, we live into uh, the fear of the Lord, living in awe of God's grandeur and grace. And we become people of power through that. And, and you know, the, the perfect image of that is what we encounter in the book of Acts. You know, the second chapter, we have the, the disciples, <laughs> the <laughs> disciples who never seem to get it. They're always one step behind Jesus. Uh, they don't really seem to be people of power at all in the Gospels. And yet, in Acts 2, once they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they become people of power, not of their own accord, but because they're filled with God's power. Mm -hmm. At Pentecost, uh, Acts 2 says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. So that, that awe of God, the, the fear of the Lord, um, as the disciples experience this, as they transition uh, from being the disciples to the passionate purpose that God has placed upon their lives, you know, they, they, they are able to perform these signs. They're able to speak with, with conviction um, and they uh, help build by God's spirit, this community of new people, people that believe them and believe that what God is doing through them and believe in uh, this Messiah that they're talking about who died on a cross for them. And so they become part of this community of passionate worship and uh, authenticity in their relationships and a commitment to boldly proclaim the gospel. So 
If we can allow ourselves to become people of power, we can stop cowering in fear. But it means trusting in God, like you've talked about, to believe um, in the ability of God to take care of us and to take care of the things in front of us. To fear the Lord means to be able to allow ourselves to be fully in his hands and fully in his grace. You know, if we can stop cowering in fear and become people who desire God and God's kingdom above everything else, even our fears, we can live powerful lives. And we can see amazing things happen. Again, not because of our own power, but because we are we are doing what God has called us to do. And we are boldly stepping out in faith. <laughs> I, I'm reminded uh, so much this week about the story of Abram and how in Genesis 12, God speaks to Abram and says to him, go from where you are, leave your relatives, leave the land you know, and go to the place that I will show you. He didn't say, go to this place that has this stuff. Right. <laughs> he says, leave and go to a place that I haven't even told you about yet. Yeah. And I'm going to lead you there. He doesn't know if it's going to be safe or dangerous. Doesn't know if there's going to be water or not. Just go. He says, he's going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you lots of family. But, you know, and that fear that could have been in Abram's life that would have cemented him to the ground mm -hmm. of where he was didn't happen. And out of fearing the Lord, out of trusting in God's goodness, and mercy, he was able to go. And so, you know, when we're overwhelmed with the grandeur and grace of God, we can then set ourselves free to go and to ignore any substitute that the world might offer. Yeah, I, on my refrigerator at home, I have a magnet. One of my favorite quotes by George Eliot, it says, it is never too late to be what you might have been. You know, there is no timeline on us learning how to do this. And just when we think we have it all <laughs> figured out, you know, life handles us some other kind of circumstance or, or situation that, that we have to relearn trust in, in God again, but um, it's never too late. Uh, we can just continue on the rest of our lives to work on this and, and to work on our relationship with God and that trust factor so that we aren't afraid. You know, that, that quote reminds me so much of how what we experience as fear is always a choice. You know, we, it's a powerful emotion. It doesn't feel like a choice, but right. we are making choices. We are making choices to allow the, that thing that we're afraid of to become bigger than we are and bigger than God in our mind. Yeah. You know, we freeze, we fight, we flee, but we can also choose to stand with God and we can choose to go with God and we can choose to be in God's hands and to be you know, carried by God's grace. Um, you know, it, it is never too late to be what you might have been. There's always a choice to go 
in the opposite direction of our fears. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have one more word from a sponsor. So let's kick things back over to JT and Stanley. Today's podcast is brought to you by smartphones. It's a cell phone, it's a camera, it's a computer, and it's a TV, all in one. You might be listening to this podcast on one, so try a smartphone today. Well, Adam and Eve were scared of the consequences, and they thought that they could escape God. But God was the only one capable of helping them out of the mess that they created for themselves. So fear is a choice. It's a choice to not go the hard, good, wonderful route. It's always the choice to stay as we are. But fear doesn't lead us forward, but God can. Yeah, and being afraid of God just makes us smaller. You know, the fear of the Lord enlarges our souls beyond our own uh, expectations and imaginations. Afraid of God, we will live at an uncomfortable distance from Him but it is in the fear of the Lord that we find the intimacy that we crave with God. Afraid of God is to live a life of running. The fear of the Lord means walking each day with our God from now into eternity. Amen. So friends, do not run in fear, but walk in faith. We'll see you next week.